Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. PG 24 MSRP 33010, Telluride RG 462822, MSRP 38705. Includes all rebates and incentives. Must finance through Hyundai. Excludes tax island license. See dealer for complete details. Offer valid through 22924 with approved credit. Dealer stock only. I'm John Morgan of Morgan & Morgan. When I set out to build our firm, it was built for greatness. It was built for you. For over 35 years, my mission has been to deliver more for our clients. To deliver more for you. Today, Morgan & Morgan has more offices, more staff, and more lawyers than any other injury firm in the world. If you or anyone in your family has been injured, Call America's largest injury law firm. Call Morgan & Morgan. ForThePeople.com Visit ForThePeople.com for an office near you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Gene Otto and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter on X at JWright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad that he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. Lead sports columnist in the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter on X at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. It's a beautiful day in Memphis, Jeffrey. Right? I wore sandals today. I felt like, I, even though it's a little casual, but I was like, first kind of really warm day in Memphis. Warm, sunny day in Memphis in a while. I was like, sandals. I gotta, I'm breaking them out. 
I feel like it's the first time in a while when I walked outside in the morning and it felt like you didn't, didn't need, need a coat. You didn't need that extra layer. Yep. I agree with you. It's uh it's wonderful and then uh an eventful weekend too. Coming off an eventful weekend. It's uh never a dull moment. No. No, not in this town. No, not not uh, not when it involves Memphis basketball in particular. Um, but we've got uh, it's it's kind of perfect for overreaction Monday um, here on the Giannato and Jeffrey show. So I'm uh, I've been looking forward to it. There's like you know certain days we're just looking forward to talking about what's going on, and so much seemed to happen. Uh, and that we don't. I'm not even talking about the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies play tonight, but with the Rock might be here mm-hmm. soon. Um, lots, lots of good stuff happening for Memphis all of a sudden. Four of the and next- we got a big win. Memphis got a big win. Yeah. I mean, we got four of the next five Grizzlies games as in just big time tankathon standings. Oh, it's a big lottery week. Yes. Huge, yeah. huge lottery week. Cause you not, you have Brooklyn twice in the next five, I believe. Then you've got two against the, you got two against the trailblazers. Mm. So you've got that drama that I know everybody's on pens and needles hoping for. But yeah, I mean, I think I think we've got to take the weekend that was in its totality with the Tigers because Saturday, of course, starts off with just or I guess it was Friday night. I feel like it was Friday night because I think I texted you Friday night like, "What is what is up here?" Mm-hmm. And then you're like, "Well, we're working on it." Then Saturday we got the statement from Memphis. Then of course we we go into Sunday. You're thinking like, "What are we going to see here?" Mm-hmm. And then, honestly, I mean, great day. I, I feel like that is, I felt like that's the best that they've played on the defensive end in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like, I felt like they made everything very difficult for FAU. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then they made, you know, in the second half, they made enough big shots, and when they had to get a stop, they did. And yeah, it was just a. It felt like it was like a gutty, gritty win. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll dive into all that here in a second with the Tigers. Uh, and a, just a big weekend in general for college basketball. Uh, a lot of important think pieces out there. Yeah, last week of February, uh, we only have one more game for the Tigers left before March. So uh, it's starting to heat up. We'll get into all that. Should we be arresting more college students? <laughs> Jason Munz will join us at 2.40 or so. He was there courtside with me at that Tigers win over FAU. Uh, we'll get his thoughts uh, on everything Memphis basketball related, then we'll get into the list. We got court storming. We've got you mean the, you mean assault, <laughs> the Rock uh, coming back to Memphis. It's NFL scouting combine week. Oh yeah, Jeffrey, and then uh, oh, we've already got an important uh, look. They're making this lineman sit middle seat. Mm. The NFL, and as we mentioned, uh, Grizzlies Brooklyn Nets tonight at FedEx Forum. We'll get into all of that. Let's start though, Jeffrey. With the break, let's start with the game. I think we start. Or do you want to go chronologically, or do you want to go opposite? Oh, if you said you want to start with the game, let's start with the game. Let's start with the game because it's the most recent thing. Um, Tiger seventy-eight, Florida Atlantic seventy-four. The revenge game, Jeffrey. Right? The revenge. Even though they play again in, it was certainly billed as much. Even though they play again in Boca Raton, I guess that will be. You know, payback. You know, like you know how they have pay per view names like this. Well, it's the it's the third fight. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's the third fight. It's the rubber match. It's a trilogy. Um, and maybe we'll get one more in the conference tournament. But 
it was a spirited effort from that Memphis team. I, you know, I'm not I'm not sure it's the best win of the year. It's certainly one of the best wins of the year, right? It's right up there with UVA and Texas A&M and even like the Ar- I know the Arkansas game hasn't aged well, but in the moment, like that felt like a big win. Yeah. Um, just given the history of the programs and all that, and when where they were meeting, you got to the championship game of that event. But um, most emotional win of the season, it felt like. You know, like they they really wanted this one. Yeah, I mean, I still think, even though like the Clemson game, like that was pretty big. Oh yeah, I'm forgetting about the Clemson game. You're right. Clemson game was. You're right. I would put Clemson and UVA maybe above this in terms of like best wins of the season. Yeah, Clemson's ahead of it for me only because I thought the scene, like I thought that was the best scene of the year. Yes, I Home think that's game, right. Like, I think that's right. Everyone was into it. Was it was absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely right. The UVA game was like the holy hell. And it was so but it wasn't quite as good as the Clemson game because it was a midweek game. Yeah. Um but I would say yesterday's atmosphere is better than the UVA atmosphere. Yeah, I can buy that. Um even though I bet you there were yeah, it was probably similar crowd, I don't know. They announced 13-5-10. I would probably peg it. The turnstile count was probably like 9 or 10. Yeah, I would guess. Um we'll see after the season, but um, nonetheless, they played, as you mentioned, really well defensively. They almost, you know, they, they got a little dicey late. They built the 10-point lead. Really impressive. I thought the whole closing sequence of that game was really impressive by Memphis because FAU was playing man-to-man the whole game. And then with like nine minutes to go, Dusty May went zone. Yep. It's kind of what he did in the tournament game, too. Like, once it happened, you're like, oh, yeah, it makes this all make sense. He had, had it in his back. He was going to wait for the right moment to pull it out. And... Memphis did okay against it. Like, they had the nice back door to Jaden through it on the first possession. Mostly they did okay with it because they just started, like, assaulting the offensive glass. That was when they yeah. got those key putbacks. Yeah. It wasn't like they were getting great shots against the zone. And so it didn't work because they were so aggressive on the glass. And it was, again, a reflection of a team that was just – they. Penny even said it. They wanted to win that game badly. Yeah, and, and it showed. Yes. And I, I thought – it was, and so that whole, and then they almost cough it away in the last three minutes. They're up 10 with like three and a half minutes to go and then start throwing the ball away against Florida Atlantic's press. And Florida Atlantic gets the ball with 45 seconds left after a bad turnover. Like it, it was Naquan throwing it to Jaquan thinking he was going to stay in the corner yeah, and Jaquan cut. cut to the basket yeah. and it's a turnover. And um, they get the ball with 45 seconds left and... Um, a chance to tie the game, down three. And ultimately, great defensive possession by Memphis. Um, saves the day. Interestingly enough, Dusty May, because I asked him about it afterwards. See, this is like the rare, you, you know, you can tell it's a big game when they bring the other Both coach teams, to yeah. the press conference. And so I asked him, I go, what were you looking for on that possession? Because they didn't, they had a timeout, and he didn't call a timeout. He And, he, cause, and what he said, he was like, the choice was basically between do we want to bring it up full court or do we want to have it at a half court setting? And what he thought was basically, I want to play on a broken floor here. Yep. He wanted to play full court. So he didn't call timeout. He pocketed the timeout. And it sounded like to me he was hoping one of his guys could just like drive down the lane for a quick, bu- you know, like get like yeah. a quick bucket in transition. Uh, and it ended up Memphis did not allow that. And then ultimately forced a really tough shot. And it was interesting to me, the three people who, if you watch, watch it over again, the three people involved defensively were Javon Quinterly, 
Jaquan Walton was awesome on that defensive possession. And then ultimately it was Jordan who was great defensively down the stretch, kind of making, forcing a really tough shot that, you know, it was close, but it was, he made it hard yeah, uh, from the top of the key, a three pointer. But ultimately that goes down. It's a tie game and with 18 seconds left. Um, and then, and then David Jones gets the rebound. I don't know if I would call it over. I called it in my column over and, and through. Vladislav Golden, the big guy, the seven foot one guy. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was just it was an effort rebound. Like I, you know, what I mean, like yeah. like you said, did I did he go over the top? It's like no, but he was just he had that look like he wasn't going to be denied. And ultimately, every, like it felt like almost every the top six, the six who played a ton of minutes, all played well. Yeah, you had Javon Quinterly, no turnovers, got off to a slow shooting start, but kind of picked it up as the game went on. But six assists, no turnovers. Um Jaquan Walton was an efficient five of nine, and as I mentioned, was like a plus defensively. Um, David Jones got off to a slow start, but then exploded in the second half. Um, and then, as I mentioned, Jordan was you know not great offensively, but saw really good defensively down the stretch. Really helped you there. And then Naquan Tomlin had his best game at Memphis. Was un- I thought just had an unbelievable game. Was the best player on the floor. Could not agree more. Um, 21.8 rebounds, three steals, two blocks, and as Dusty May put it, like countless invisible plays where like he just kind of wrecked a possession for Florida Atlantic because of his presence. Because they were using him kind of as like a freelance kind of guy all over the court. And just he created a lot of havoc. And he was it was a special performance, and I mean you could tell they were treating it as a revenge game because it was revenge. Even though at the end of the game, none of the players on the court were playing for Memphis last year when they lost to Florida Atlantic. Quinterly, Jones, Walton, Tomlin, Jordan, none of them played in that game. But as we remember, as we discussed, Tomlin had his own revenge game. Yes, he had the K State because of the K, and he said as much. He said, "I did. I won this one for Memphis, but I also won this for my Kansas State team last year." Um, And you could see it. And what was interesting is, for the first time since he's been here, you heard widespread like, "Hey, this guy kind of looks. This guy reminds you of DeAndre Williams out there." Yeah, you know, and maybe even it, you know, like that. I don't know if I've ever seen DeAndre Williams be that. I mean, they were both special players. Like that defensive effort by Tomlin was unbelievable in that game. Yeah, I I know people were doing the the DeAndre comparison. I I didn't get that feeling. I just finally got the feeling of, oh, that's what they that's what he was billed as. Mm-hmm. Like when you yeah. kept hearing about how versatile he was going to be, like yeah. how athletic he was, yeah, what he can do just to impact a game. It's like you kept hearing about this, and I kept wondering, like, am I watching the same guy? Like what? Mm-hmm. When yesterday was the first time you're like, oh, that's that's who they were talking about. Yeah, yeah, and he was and. and you know, ultimately they get a they get a nice win. Um, that uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I guess it keeps hope alive for the NCAA tournament. I guess if you are the if you are super optimistic, I think you can say maybe they'll have a chance if they can win out and go to the championship game of the AAC um, to get an at large berth. Still, a lot of bubble teams lost this weekend. They gave you the opportunity to talk yourself into it if you're like a diehard. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, ultimately that's not what you were planning to do this season. But at this moment in time, and we'll get to it in a second, I do think that is an important distinction. Like they didn't, given the news that preceded this game, that they then didn't go out and lose this game and really make you go, well, they got to go win the conference tournament. And who the heck knows if they can win the conference tournament because, 
you know, they can't beat Florida Atlantic. They lost all these other teams. No, instead, because they win this game, they keep a flicker of hope alive for the NCAA tournament as an at-large. If you can, you know, a lot of things come together. And the performance they put on, to me, reinforce, like, if they can, you know, like, this team could figure it out for four games in a row at the conference tournament. Hopefully it's three. But, like, this team can beat anyone in this league. Like, this league is not good this year. And, like, this team is still, when it puts it all together, the best team in the league. I that's what that, you could. That's what yesterday yeah. today could like make you feel, and that was important to me. The the one problem I always have is because of the nature and the way that FAU's built. When they miss shots, they're not very impressive. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and and they did miss some open shots. Yesterday. They did, and I mean, like, but I thought Memphis's defense was good too. I thought Memphis. Like when you talk about that last possession. My first thought is when they got the ball back, it's like, okay, they're going to go get it quick, too, and they're going to see if they how long they can keep extending this for. Yeah. But what I give Memphis credit for is the way they guarded the perimeter, mm-hmm. they were so intense, and in a possession where if you get a stop, you probably end the game. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes we see, like, in those types of moments where a team is able to get kind of an easy basket, maybe they don't get a three to tie it up, but they get an easy basket to cut it to one, and then you turn it into a free throw shooting contest. Memphis was just determined we are ending the game on this possession, yep. and they did because they did not yep. allow any drive to the basket. Mm-hmm. There were multiple times where you could tell they were looking for like a sliver to try to cut to the lane. Memphis was so athletic and long and and quick on the perimeter, never happened. And then you're right that like you could tell like in the end, you could tell FAU was like looking to try and get an easy shot. Mm-hmm. And then they couldn't find one. In the end, it's like a panic shot. Yeah. And Memphis even made that look really hard. Uh, and then we find out after the game to rile them up, almost like uh, throwing, uh, what is it, like uh, chum to some sharks. Mm-hmm. Penny, before the game, it has, or someone, I think it was through Jordan Verholst. If you read the story up at commercialpeel.com by Jason Munns, yes. Got uh, the video uh, coordinator, director of uh, scouting, I think is his official title, um, commissioned a... Uh, one of the uh, the school or athletic departments kind of like uh, social media or whatever, content creators, if yeah. you will, to put together a video to show the team, like a short video. And it, it, apparently in it, it included clips from the FAU Memphis, the end of the FAU Memphis game in the NCAA tournament, clips uh, from the FAU Kansas State loss, including like a video, I guess, shots of the – FAU after the game dancing to the song that F- that Kansas State normally dances to. Yeah. Um, and um, also apparently included uh, some clips of our guy GP mm. uh, talking about how ba- off the bubble the, uh, the Tigers are these days um, to pump up this team. And uh, so. Typically, they are still off the bubble. Yes. Um, and it was uh, apparently. And not in the right direction. Apparently, then it turned off and Penny was just like. All right, let's go win this effing game. Yeah. You know, like it was like a, a good scene. You'd, you'd, it'd be good for the movie, if you will. You know, sure. if they end up coming back and having the magical run in Fort Worth and go to the tournament, that'll be that'll be featured in the. You know that 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 clip will uh, be featured in the uh, uh, retelling of all of this. Yeah, but it's the Varsity Blues. F- who knows if it actually affected the game? But it's it's cool that they. It's nice when it all comes together like that. It's the Varsity Blues F Kilmer speech yeah. when they're in half. <laughs> like, let's go play for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Exactly. So, um, and and so here we are, and we'll we'll see um, 
what happens from here? They play ECU at ECU Thursday. Then they've got Senior Day Sunday against UAB. Then a week off. And then FAU. I don't know if it's a week or six days, but the Sunday. It's Sunday to Sunday. Oh yeah, a week off, and then they play at FAU to close the regular season. And you know that at ECU game, ECU got waxed by Rice this weekend, but had been playing better. And Greenville can be tricky. Rice, Rice apparently is getting hot. I they guess. waxed UAB, and then well, they got their best. They, yeah, when they, they the really guy, yeah. sucked. The guy who torched Memphis, yeah. like wasn't playing at the beginning of the year, and then when that transfer the waiver thing, thing, yeah, the, the waiver cut, thing the went case. into effect. Like they've been like more like a five hundred team since yeah. he's been back. Um, but that's the problem with the league is like it is super competitive. Like it is like you know they had that. I gave you that stat last week of like of every conf- major conference in the country. I don't know what they what the ACs designate that with, but at least includes. You know, ACC, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, Big East, and Pac-12. Like, this has had a higher percentage of games than any other league decided by, with games decided by three points or gone, three points or less or have gone to overtime in league play. And, but the problem is, is like, the more and more you've watched it now that we're getting to the end of the season, the reality is the reason that is is because there's not really a great team in the league. Yeah, oftentimes this is— We saw that yesterday. Like, Florida Atlantic's fine, but they're not a great—that's not a great team. No, it's—to me, it's like the ACC football equivalent. It's like, with all due respect, but when Wake is winning the league, that's usually an indication that Clemson and Florida State and the other programs are not doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. And so that allows— And USF is leading the AAC right now. Correct. You know, now they've had incredible— Stretch of wins here. They've clinched at least after beat. They beat SMU yesterday. That was probably that. They've now beaten SMU and Memphis. Memphis on well, the road. FAU at home. And it is, you know, and FAU at home. They beat FAU at home and SMU at home. But they only had to play those three teams. Memphis, FAU, and SMU once because of the AAC. They, you know, the AAC. The AAC has an unbalanced schedule because they want to, fe- you know, they want to feature. I know some people I saw online were like complaining about it. And they're right. It costs Memphis in seeding, but I still think if you're Memphis, you want this type of schedule set up because it at least gives you more games against the best teams in the league. Yeah, it's like, okay, if this is an unintended consequence, I think you have to live with it. it in w- the end, they were trying to feature Memphis. Yes. Like, you want two games against the three or four teams that are supposed to be the best teams in the league for your quad Situation like the the it wasn't intended to like cost Memphis. It was actually intended this unbalanced schedule to like help Memphis and FAU. It was intended to feature Memphis. Yeah, and uh, but now USF clinches a tie, uh, at least a tie, thirteen straight games for first place, and they entered the top twenty five this week. The number twenty five in the AP poll, and I don't think anyone has them. What well, in fact, I know. I mean, I know. I don't think anyone has them at least bracketology wise in the in the field. Anyone major. No, I'm Any not major in the field, but like that's kind of this weird question where it's like, does this in a weird way hurt Memphis? And here's what I mean. Mm-hmm. When you when you present the scenario like win out and then get to the conference tournament final, like my my initial reaction is, hey, while you're there, go ahead and win that one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'd go. No, ultimately, like, you can we can talk about like you know, Penny said it. He thinks that they win out this regular season and then like go to the conference championship game, the implication he was saying, I think yesterday, was we'll be in the conversation again if we do that. And he might be right. I, You know, a lot of things would have to break right, I think, you know, with bid thieves and bubble teams losing and that sort of thing. But no matter what, you're going to go into that. If you Let's say you get to the championship game. Yeah. 
you're going to go into that championship game going, man, if we don't win this, we might not make it. You know, yeah, like, you're, I, no matter no, what. I, 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 that's my whole deal. It's like, I'm not saying that they could get to that game, lose it, and they're done. But my feeling is it's like, you got you have to acknowledge the reality of that situation. You are in front of the judges, and it's a judge's decision at that point. Yeah. There's a way to make it not a judge's decision. It's to win that game. Yes. You'd be leaving it up to them. But the weird thing that's now entering the equation with USF, they are now in the AP Top 25. And they have games against Charlotte at Charlotte, Tulane at home, and then they close at Tulsa. Yes. So it's possible they're an underdog against Charlotte because it's a road game and whatnot. Yeah. Although Charlotte just lost to Tulsa. But the the key for me is, None of those three games really changed the circumstances for USF other than no. other than it changes their final conference standings. Mm-hmm. But we're still talking about like they, those are not three wins that you go, all right, we're moving them from the bubble like to in. No, they're going to be a top 25 team potentially that doesn't make the tournament. Correct. And so yeah. I, did, I did quick research right before the show. The early results is 2004 Utah State finished I think at 21 and 22 in the regular season polls. And then they were in the Big West at the time. And they got knocked off by Northridge in the Big West tournament. And that that knocked them out of the field because the Big West only got one team in. And they played in the NIT. And then the other one was I couldn't quite figure out if SMU. SMU was ranked in 2014 for a long portion of the schedule. I couldn't figure out, though, if they were ranked in the final Gotcha. In the final AP poll, but they also missed the field too. Yeah. And so, but you're in that weird spot where if you're Memphis, and let's say in the scenario we're talking about in the conference tournament, let's say you don't get the revenge game. Against Florida Atlantic? Against, no, against uh, USF. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's say USF doesn't win the tournament. Are you now in the position where if both USF, let's say USF and Memphis don't wind up winning the tournament, are you in this weird head-to-head with them, and the only result, the only result is the Memphis loses at home? Like to me, that sets up a spot where it's like, all right, USF closes the season on I don't know, f- winning sixteen games in a row. They've won thirteen straight. Let's say they win those three, and let's say they win a game in the conference tournament. They get knocked out in the semis. Like, are you in a spot now where, are you in a spot now where like you're both going to be head-to-head and they? Are just going to give the head dead. Well, USF won at Memphis and got, won the league and got right, first place in correct. the league in the regular season. I don't know. And like the other thing I was asking, because, you know, right now I believe in the AAC standings, yesterday was you know, good and bad for Memphis in that SMU lost to uh, South Florida, um, but UAB beat Tulane. Um, so Memphis still in, I believe, sixth place. Correct. In, comp- in, the, in the league. Um, and you need to get to the top four to get that by. Um, and so, but I was asking, like, Muns yesterday, like, I mean, we've seen historically with the AAC over the last 10 years, however, you know, I think it's 10 years the league's been around, like, someone who finishes fourth place in the league, has, has, that, has that team ever made it? Did, like, Tulsa team once upon a time, were they fourth? I think usually when a surprise team makes it from the AAC, 
It's the opposite. It's because so they Wichita's, don't have a. It's the Wichita, South Florida or, t- sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, we're like the the year Wichita State. Where remember the games, COVID year? Yeah, games yeah. got canceled, but and, they finished first. They were the one seed in the tournament, even though they didn't really have a tournament profile otherwise, right. and made the field. But don't forget, before Memphis had lost to Rice, like mm. the before, yeah. like the bottom had fallen out. Remember, I pointed out to you, it's like. Have we ever seen a, a spot where it's like Memphis was going to have a resume, perhaps? Yeah. Now, I do think if they win out, they will have a rather unique type of they profile. They will have a profile that is not usual, where their correct. metrics probably still won't be that good. Even if they win out, their metrics still probably no, be on the you, really the, high end of things. I did the tour of it. Like, even, even yesterday, I think they moved up seven spots in the net. Was it that much? I don't think it was that much. I think they moved up seven in the net, but they only moved to like four in Ken Palm. Yeah. Okay. But I think they were lower in the net than they were in Ken Palm. In the net? No, they only moved up two in the net. Eighty-one to seventy-nine. Okay. So what? I, don't know, I was looking at Warren Nolan this morning. I thought maybe it's. I don't know. I'm just looking at the NCAA.com website here. It's eighty-one to seventy-nine today. And so was that updated today? Yes. Okay, because Warren Nolan like mm-hmm. does a live. It said plus seven, but to me the. I, did, I went to Torvik, and it's like, what would the numbers look like if Memphis won out? It basically had them getting up into the 60s. Yeah, which, I mean, we've seen teams, in the, especially the lower part of the 60s, get in. And I believe even a Michigan State team got in with a 70 net at some point. Is that the Michigan State team that lost in Dayton? Yes. Like, to me, that's kind of what we're looking at is— You're it, playing for the unusual— Sometimes, every other year, it feels like there is an unusual team that gets into the field in Dayton. Correct. That's what Memphis might be able to get. You could talk me like. into that, but if if you're telling me without winning the conference tournament that they're going to be on the bracket, mm-hmm. I have a tough time getting there. But you could talk. You could definitely talk me into, hey, they're the team. And then when they have to say why did Memphis get in, it's like, well, look at the number of tournament look at the teams non- they beat. Look at the non-conference. Yeah. Look yes. at all this. They have this unique profile. Correct. They've won at that in that juncture. They would have won like you know. Eight of their last ten, or whatever it would it would be, or but something like that. But then you still run into this weird reality of like, so does that mean you're putting USF, FAU, and Memphis? Like that's it's no. this weird reality. USF's it's like, not going to get in unless they win the tournament. FAU, I think if FAU, who does FAU have left? Like FAU has maybe they can still get in if they just lose to Memphis. So FAU's that, got Tulane on Saturday. Can't, yeah, they they can't lose any more games. North Texas on Wednesday and then Memphis on on Sunday. Maybe they can still get in if they go two and one down the stretch. Maybe because it doesn't appear the bracketologists don't seem to have them on the bubble. Um, no, because they're even, ne- after even yesterday. their net's still in the thirties. So to me, even if they were to lose to Memphis, they're probably getting in. They're probably getting the Memphis type of seed <laughs> of the past couple years, somewhere uh, between eight and ten, eight and ten, or something like that. Um, so, um, and then the other side of the coin of this is what happened leading into the game, Jeffrey. Um, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that some, um, I wrote a column about it up at commercialpeel.com. But as you mentioned at the top of the show, we get the official word from the university on Saturday morning that they are withholding, uh, Malcolm Dandridge from games and he did not play. He was on the bench. But he did not play yesterday against Fort Atlantic. But they're withholding him from competition uh, while they, uh, I think the right word is investigate uh, some an, a, a, what they called an issue that would affect that could affect his eligibility. Um, 
are reporting at the commercial appeal and other places um, suggest it is related to academic misconduct of some kind, academic misconduct allegations of some kind. Um, And so that was the backdrop. I wrote a column that basically was like, you know, it's just, it's always something with Memphis basketball. Obviously, again, Winning that game yesterday in the fashion you did kind of muted some of this. Like, if they had lost that game and then combined with yet another investigation into the program of some, you know, yes. under Penny Hardaway, it would have been even, you know, tougher to swallow. Um, but it's just, you know, you just, you're watching it unfold and you're going, I don't see very many other teams around the country going through stuff like this. I don't see any teams in the Memphis Athletic Department going through stuff like this over and over and over again. Um, and and I just wrote a column like, I think Penny Hardaway really needs to take a hard look at this this offseason about how he administer, you know, how he runs the day-to-day operation of the program. I'm not talking about game day. Yeah. I'm not talking about, like, like, and people, you know, people shoot back. Like, what do you, you know, like, ultimately, he's made back-to-back tournaments. He's won, tw- he won 20 games again this year. He w- he's won a lot of big games, more than his predecessors, his recent, pre- you know, more than the two... Pre- the two people after John Calipari, you know, like he's won more big games than them. And my counter would just be, now imagine what the program could be if like they didn't have all this stuff swarming around them. It's ultimately, they are not going to become the program everyone around here wants them to become and the program Penny Hardaway has said he wants them to become if they continue to have stuff like this swarming around the program. Like people can say like, oh, like, he had a shorter rotation yesterday because he didn't have as many, many people, you know, with him. I still think they could have used Malcolm Dandridge in that game. Made it harder. Like, doing it the harder way. Like, I saw someone holding that sign up at the game. Oh, we're bringing like, that back? Like, I'd rather do it the easier way. <laughs> like, I'd rather do it that way. And it feels like a lot of this stuff is correctable, and it's just repeating itself in terms of, and, like, maybe he had nothing to do with this Malcolm thing. But, like, it's, re- you know, like, ultimately... Having these allegations, it's not like, it's not about just this one thing. It's about the totality of it, of like every year and throughout the season, like except for maybe last year, it's it's just something that's kind of takes away and kind of, it's almost like it holds you back a little bit from fulfilling your potential. It's like you're constantly digging your, you're constantly digging yourself out of holes that are bigger than they need to be as a program. And yes, you've achieved some things despite all that. But imagine what you could achieve if you didn't have to dig out of, like, some of these holes that you've dug for yourself related to, like, things that feel like, you know, part of just... Uh, avoidable is how I would say it. Yeah, avoidable and just, like, when you really dig deep in it and you hear what's going on behind the scenes, you go, ultimately, a lot of this stuff isn't nefarious. It's more just, like... Neglect. Yeah, like, it's, like, not... It's it's lack of attention to detail on some things and just, like I said... At the day-to-day administration of the program, and so this is yet another this is yet another thing that they are going to have to deal with moving forward. And I think for the sake of Memphis, you hope it's one either Malcolm gets exonerated in all of this, Malcolm Dandridge, because it would certainly be an unfortunate way for him to end his career, and two that you know it doesn't involve more than just Malcolm, and you know it doesn't extend beyond. The men's basketball program. That's what you just got. I mean, because like ultimately, what I don't think people truly understand, like I see some fans going, well, it's not an NCAA thing. They are investigating this because they're going to have to probably self-report some stuff to the NCAA. Just like they self-reported the recruiting violations. You know, again, I should say, if something happened here, 
yeah. they're going to have to report something to the NCAA. That's why they're, you know, that's why they're going through the steps of going, you know, looking into it ultimately uh, to see if they have to. And, um, you know, hopefully it mounts to nothing. But I don't think you're withholding him from the big, one of the biggest home games of the year if you're like thinking, oh, this is just nothing. Yeah, and I mean, again. Or like if there's not something there that makes you concerned to a certain degree. I think to me it's like at this point it's like I'm hoping that the I'm hoping that the paper trail ends with Malcolm and there's not something more because to me it seems like if it's if he can make it into one player and one academic tutor or whatever like you can usually get by that yeah but it's and like, again that's his, I hope maybe he maybe this is all a witch hunt it might be it might be yeah, I, I, if you tell me of all the things, of all the possible scenarios, if the one is <laughs> yeah. Malcolm's going to be completely exonerated, that feels like the one that's going to be the toughest leap. Yeah, so now they're dealing with that, and uh, but it does seem like the team's got its act together. Like, even without Malcolm yesterday, like, didn't seem like a distraction that's going to affect this team. No, I think that's right. I mean, I... We keep waiting is someone – what they've done for me is I keep waiting to see if, like, there's going to be the moment where they finally, like, get knocked out. Mm-hmm. And so far, they've gotten up the, off the mat after SMU. Mm-hmm. And they've continued to, like – you know, I think they looked better yesterday than they did even against Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see them continue to look like that – the team that we've seen the last, you know, 80 minutes of basketball – or are they going to go on the road? Because the story of college basketball has been this yeah. year. When teams go on the road, they don't look like what they are at home. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's not like going to beat ECU is. We're not we're not talking about having to go to Connecticut mm-hmm. and win. But yeah. like, are we going to see another stubbing of the toe? Yeah. Let's talk about it with Jason Munns. He's the Tiger basketball beat writer for Commercial Pill. He's going to join us next. You're listening to Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM ESPN. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network. Only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Jason Munz is the Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. You can follow him on Twitter on X at Munzley. He joins us each and every Monday on the program. Munz, what are we listening to? Jeffrey, this is uh, My Bloody Valentine. Mm, that is a name I've not heard in a decade plus. Yeah, it's uh, it's a song called New You. Mm, okay. Are we getting Arcade Fire next week? <laughs> No, come on! Don't put the don't put the two together. My bloody Valentine is a little more emo. Is it's a le- it's a legendary outfit. They put out like three albums in the last thirty years. Like they they hardly ever release music, and it's always great when they do. Well, we appreciate you enlightening the audience. Um, there you go, my bloody Valentine. I guess let's start here. For you, what was the more significant development this weekend? The the Malcolm Dandridge news or what we watched on the floor? Well, I think that's two different discussions, really. I mean, you got the, the short term yeah. and the long term. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously in the short term, uh, beating Florida Atlantic um, is, is obviously uh, huge news uh, for the, for the short term. And then obviously the, Whatever, whatever is going on, and whatever might come of the um, internal information gathering and review that the university and the athletic department is having to do with regard to Malcolm Dandridge's eligibility status, um, that could be very significant as well. We don't, you know, obviously we don't know uh, how how far that's going to go or not. But um, anyway, no, I, I think, I think they were both equally significant just in different ways. Yeah, that's probably, that's uh, that's a good way of putting it short term and long term. Um, let's start. Why don't we, why don't we start long term and then go short term? So long term with this Dandridge thing, um, I guess what, how, like what in your mind do you think, is the are the likely outcomes of this? You know, like how do how do you see this play? What are the what are the possibilities here? You know, not good or bad. I don't. You know, I you know, like how, how does this play out in your mind? One are you way? asking for best case, worst case? Yeah, best case, worst case. Just like all the different scenarios at play here. What do you think they are? Not not which one you think it's going to end up with. You know, because ultimately, who knows? We don't know. You know, as Penny said yesterday, like you're waiting on. No one really knows that has any real um, information other than. You know, there's been reporting done that suggests it's, you know, it's these are allegations related to academic misconduct of some kind. Um, but what are the what are the potential outcomes at play here in your mind? I mean, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I mean, like I could see a scenario where this is, you know, exactly what we kind of already know, where it's just Malcolm Dandridge and. Um, his academic eligibility status um, or, you know, his eligibility status because of something that happened re- regarding academics. That much we know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it could just simply be limited to that. It could, it, like, there's a scenario where um, even that is something that can be, that gets ironed out and nothing, and nothing comes of it. Like, we, we don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Like, so, so that is a possibility. It's a possibility that something wrong was done, um, something against, uh, you know, standards and ethics and rules and all that stuff. Like, like, and, and but, but it's only limited to Malcolm Dandridge. But, um, you know, if with anything, I mean, we learned this with the James Wiseman situation when, when investigations happen. A lot of times there's the chance that it's not just, you know, that other stuff is uncovered. Um, when you start really going through the, the, the weeds, um, I, I know, you know, you and I have many discussions uh, during the whole James Wise and IARP thing is that, that, you know, and this isn't an NCAA matter as we sit here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is strictly a school and athletic department situation. Um, but you know, you and I had many conversations where it was like when the NCAA starts looking into something, you know, they're not just going to look into what one specific thing, they're going to also start digging around and, and, and looking at other things. And I guess it's possible that, that, that is, uh, that's what could happen here. If the, if the university, you know, throughout the course of its investigation, if it finds other stuff, then, then, you know, it could get it could get really ugly. It could get really nasty. Yeah. Um, so we just don't know. Yeah. No, it's interesting. So I found this is just one case, but 2019. This is the headline from the NCA: Mississippi State tutor committed academic misconduct to aid 11 student athletes, and it was 10 football players at Mississippi State and a men's basketball player at Mississippi State. And this, in this case, it was a tutor who completed multiple assignments, exams, and in some cases nearly the entire course for the athletes. And this was at Mississippi State again. This was in 2019. And Mississippi State did a negotiated resolution process with the NCAA, which essentially means they self-reported it and they went through a process together negotiating what what the punishment was. And um, the tutor refused to participate in that process, by the way. Um, cause that tutor had been fired and the, the penalties, again, it was like, you know, I would they, they were not significant. They were like akin to, you know, a slap, you know, uh, a little more than a slap on the wrist, but not anything really damaging to those programs. It was like a reduction of a couple scholarships, um, loss of some visits, um, vacation. Now this would be interesting vacation of, you know, vacating the games in which these players were ineligible. Um, and, um, you know that that those were kind of the major things, and then this was interesting because this is I think important in all this. They got three years of probation, and what I'm interested in from Memphis's perspective and all this is they are currently on probation from the recruiting mm-hmm. violations um, of last year that were you know Penny Hardaway served the three game suspension to begin this year. They also, as part of that, are on probation right now. So how does that all you know like if because like I said at the top like. Ultimately, if they find anything, they're going to, at this point, because it's public, like, they're going to have to self-report this stuff to the NCAA. Like, it could, it, like if there's anything here, it's going to become a matter the NCAA is going to look at, at some, you know, at some point. And so that, to me, is the part that's interesting. 
on this, like, as a first time, if this was like a, if the probation wasn't involved, there wouldn't be anything. I don't think there's that much to worry about when you hear those types of penalties. Like, yes, that's not great, but it's not like damaging to those, to the program. In I any way. also right. think they were trying to get off of Moorhead at the time. Gotcha. So they um, cooperated a lot. Yeah, and I think Howland made it another year. But remember, they end up moving off Howland, too. Maybe. I All I know is that those don't sound that bad. It's just the probation part that makes it a little tricky. Um, ultimately, you know, we'll see um, what happens. There's long-term, like you said, uh, you know, there's going to be something to come out of this um, in terms of whether he's exonerated or, like, at this point, because they've now made it, you know, like he had to sit out, like he's either, either he's exonerated they find something or it's bigger. To me, those are the kind of three things you're, you're, you know, you want. And obviously, exonerated is the ideal scenario for Memphis. Um, I think, you know, and then the other two get tricky. Um, and so um, it will be interesting. All right, short-term, Muns, what do you think? I mean, Penny says they'll be in the conversation if they win out. Do you believe that? If they win out and they say go to the AAC championship game – it's that's what I'm that's what I'm inferring from what Penny's saying. He thinks they'll be back in the conversation. I looked at, for instance, John Gassaway's bubble watch today. They're not even in the work to do. Like he's not even listing Memphis yeah. in his bubble watch, even after yesterday. They're not even a work to do uh team in the league. For the ACs, all he has is Florida Atlantic as should be in in his guy. They're not locked, but he says should be in. What do you make of the situation for Memphis heading into these final three games after yesterday's win? So I think there still probably is a lot of, I mean, obviously there's a ton of work to do and, and, but, but if we're talking about winning the next three games, one of them being quad one on the road, and we're talking about, I mean, to me, if they win the next three games, they're a top four seed in the AAC tournament. They're probably going to be a top four seed in the AAC tournament, which means to get to the championship game, they have to win two games instead of three. Um, so that would mean that they go, that they pick up five more wins and, and at least one of them is going to be quad one. That means you're probably going into selection Sunday with what? Five quad one wins. I think, um, if VCU, uh, it would be, it'd probably be four quad ones if VCU, uh, if VCU stays top 75 in the net, but, um, I do believe that if they win Thursday at East Carolina, win Sunday at home against UAB, then go to Boca and beat FAU and then get the double bye, win two games to get to Sunday for the championship game of the AAC tournament, I find it very difficult to believe that they're not going to at least be in the conversation for an at-large bid. Um just, I would be very surprised if if they don't miraculously start rising up on that on that bubble by by the time we get to whatever it would be March thirteenth or March twelfth or whatever it would be fourteenth. Uh, um, I, I think that he's probably correct in that. Now, whether or not all of that actually happens, you know, don't know yet. Yeah, so like I'm trying to look at it. So if you look at the standings, you need. So if you win out, what that puts you at twelve and six, correct? 
Yes, that means so, if you went out, you're 12 and 6, and you will have beaten Florida Atlantic one more time and UAB. So you'd have a head-to-head with FAU, but FAU could still be ahead of you in the standings by yep. a full game. Yep. Then you're going to get into this pack of UAB SMU, where you've in that in that scenario we would have said you would have split with both. Then mm-hmm. I presume it comes into what is everyone's record against one another. And SMU, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. The record, it's the record against the teams ahead of you in the standings. So, yeah, that's, that's, it's, so you start at the top. It would be, if you're, if there's a three way tie for fourth, then it'd be like your record versus USF, maybe your record correct. versus FAU. So you might be in good shade at that point because you'd be two and one. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there is also a scenario where you're like you're having to play like SMU in the quarterfinals, which would be a really tough game in the quarterfinals of the AAC tournament, right? Like, I think SMU is one of the three. I, I still, I'm not. I mean, I think you, to, I think well, you'd actually be okay because SMU, SMU has lost back to back games against FAU and USF, and they oh, so, so and you, they they don't play each other. But you again. could still it could still be a four five game. You could still like they could yeah. be the five seed and you could be the four seed playing them in the quarterfinals. That would be you know that'd be a tough game. We saw. I mean SMU you know SMU kicked their butt in Dallas and they yeah, needed a buzzer beater by Javon Quinterly to win here in Memphis. That might actually work though in your favor because, because it's a it's a good be another quad one. So maybe you just want that game and no matter if you get that because then you'd play that game and then you'd potentially play USF in the semis. And FAU in the in the finals that would give you two quad one games. Yeah, in the tournament. So, but my potential. So, my question, my question to you would be: Would it be a tough game? Because it, like, if it was played last Sunday, yeah, obviously it was an incredibly tough game. But if it had been played this Sunday, I uh, think as, at Moody Coliseum, I don't know that it would have been a tough. I, game, I, I just the way think Memphis played this yesterday. I just think getting one of the three best teams in the quarterfinals is like that's a tough game. Like you know what I mean? Like you're ultimately probably getting, uh, I mean, one of the four best teams in the league in the quarterfinals. That's a tough matchup to me. I agree. Yeah, you know? Sure. Like in theory, yes. But my point is, what we saw against Charlotte and FAU, the way Memphis played against both of those teams, like if they continue to play that way or better, like I personally, I think we're starting to see some some really clear signs. Mm-hmm. of this Memphis Tigers basketball yeah. team sort of turning a corner yeah. um, with Naquan Tomlin emerging as a, as a top three guy um, with uh, uh, Jaquan Walton seeming like he's, you know, been resurrected from the depths of God knows what, like he's been a different guy the last week. Um, and, and, you know, I pointed this out on Twitter, like there was a play in the second half yesterday where Quinterly's working off a ball screen uh, up around the top of the key and Jaden Hardaway is in the corner. And as soon as Quinterly rounds the ball screen, Jaden flashes the most subtle of hand signals. And it, they were both like, as soon as he flashed his hand, he broke towards the goal Quinterly dribbled once, hit him with a skip pass and step, reverse layup. And, I, and I, say to say like, yeah, it was great. And, and I say all that to say, though, that's the sign of a, of, of a bunch of players 
who are starting to get a very good feel for one another. They're st- like if they're communicating non-verbally that way, and it and it and it's working to perfection the way it did. You know, like a lot of the that was one of their biggest problems all season is that they they could not get on the same page, and that to me is a uh, uh, just a, a perfect example of of you know two guys who were exactly in lockstep with one another at the same moment. And if that is something that we're... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.